G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. The cost of the 12 days of Christmas. We'll be hitting a record high this year. So how do we survive Christmas and prepare for a strong start financially to 2024? So we'll be talking about some financial wisdom to survive what's often an expensive time of year and starting 2024 on a firm footing. And no doubt the new year will bring both challenges and potentially real opportunities. We might get to talk through some of those too. Our special guest, Alex Cook, former stockbroker. He's been a successful financial planner and he is the founder of Wealth With Purpose. His ministry is to help equip Christians to honour God with their finances by teaching sound financial skills. Alex Cook, a special welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Peter. Great to be with you. Okay, let's come to this, uh, in a nutshell, economic update and uh, a roundup of some things, perhaps uh, where we are at right now and in, in your view. Yeah, well, the big news, obviously, uh, last month was the Reserve Bank put up rates again after having paused for a while. And uh, so that, that's this sort of blunt instrument that the, the RBA has got at their disposal. But it really only affects a third of households in a really direct sense, those with mortgages. And, of course, that group is now really starting to feel the heat, given that uh, you've had rate rises now since, what, May last year. So it's been a, a tough year for mortgage holders. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, there's a bit of a generational gap going on. Retirees are doing well because their interest rates are going up, which is good for, for them, particularly if they own their own home. But the younger generations are finding it particularly hard. But what's happened also in the last few months is Australia is headed into what I call a per capita recession. So what that means is uh, we're not actually in, in an official recession, which is normally seen as two negative quarters of GDP, uh, GDP growth. But what it is, is if you took Australia's GDP, which stands for gross domestic product, it's really just the value of the economy, just the, the value of goods and services traded. That's actually, if you divide it by the population, that's actually in decline and has been now for some time which basically translates into lower living standards. And I think that's probably how the average Aussie is starting to feel now with the cost of living pressure. People are starting to feel that they're finding it harder and harder to get ahead. So I think that's really reflected uh, in that. And that could, I think that could actually be brought under control if the government was willing to do one main thing, and that is to turn off the tap of the high level of immigration we've got and reduce it, uh, bring it down a little bit. Um, and, you know, we've had the uh, the Treasurer go on TV about two weeks ago saying wages are growing and at the highest rate in a while. But what he failed to say is that real wages are actually falling at the fastest rate. In, in, and so real wages in Australia now are at 2010 levels. So to put it bluntly, Aussies have had a, a wage cut over the last 18 months. Um, and to the tune of about, uh, well, as I say, it's at 2010 levels now. So 10 years have been wiped off in terms of real wages. So that's a huge issue for people. 
Alex, uh, we've got a new RBA governor and uh, all eyes are on her. Uh, there was uh, another uh, recent interest rate rise and there's even potential for another rise uh, coming up uh, for December. Um, any thoughts around how the new RBA governor seems to be uh, performing? Yeah, look, I've been a bit disappointed, to be honest. I think uh, she seems to be making the same sorts of noises as the previous one who... Um, they seem to be a bit disconnected, I think, from the population. Her comment at a, a lecture she gave last week was that Australians were spending too much on haircuts and dentistry. Now, I would have said, logically, they are fairly essential things, you know, getting your haircut, unless they're expecting us all to start looking a bit more scruffy So, in order to keep inflation down. So I, I do wonder, I mean, these... Some of these bureaucrats now are earning extreme salaries. She's earning close to a million dollars a year, whereas the average Australian household's more hovering around a hundred thousand a year. So I do wonder how disconnected uh, some of these bureaucrats have become from the economic reality that many Australians are facing. So that does that does concern me uh, that our public servants are disconnected from the the rest of the population. So that's a, that's a worry. What about international? effects on Australia, things that are happening globally, how are those things shaping? Yeah, well, look, interestingly, the US has held up much better than expected. Earlier this year, many people were calling uh, a recession in the US, and to be honest, I myself would have thought America would have drifted into recession uh, because of particularly the banking crisis that erupted back in March this year. Um, But I, I don't think these things have necessarily been avoided. They've just been more delayed. And so it's certainly possible that the US drifts into recession uh, next year. The other one that's, I guess, more interesting almost for, chi- for Australia is China. I mean, America's relevant to everybody just because it's over 20% of the world economy. So America is enormous in terms of its impact. And its stock markets are 50% of the global stock market. So America is hugely significant. But really, the big one for Australia, of course, is China because they're our number one trading partner. And, uh, you know, some listeners would might remember a company called Evergrande, which is the world's, world's biggest property developer, last year started to get itself into a lot of economic trouble. Anyway, it's been in an ongoing court case uh, that looks like it's coming close to its end that may well result in it going to liquidation. So their, their property market in China, you know, it's no surprise that over the last 30 years they've been on a massive building binge. And that looks like it's coming to its end. And many of the property developers there are finding themselves into trouble. And so, of course, the, the, the million-dollar question for Australia is what impact does that have on, you know, our iron ore and, uh, you know, demand for Australian steel and things like that. And so you'd have to think that um, it's going to have a flow-on effect of some sort. Uh, but certainly I still, I'm still, uh, even though I'm probably bearish on China in the short term, I think in, in 10 years they're still going to be running the world, whether we like it or not. <laughs> That's certainly the trend. Alex, so far as ordinary listeners to our conversation today and hearing, you know, an an economic update, and some people are following that a whole lot more closely than others. And uh, sometimes you're listening to an economic update and it sounds like a whole lot of bad news. Is there any good news uh, that you can look forward to? Maybe it's the way you look at figures, whether you're a glass half empty or a glass half full person, uh, but is there something positive you can look forward to for 2024? 
Well, you know, it's one of these things that, as I say, there's always it's always a dangerous job to be in the prediction business. <laughs> you never want to be the, the person, whether it's good or bad news, you, you don't want to be in the prediction business. Um, but nonetheless, I think the, the, the good news is that the trend for inflation is downwards. I don't think it's coming down as quick as we'd like in Australia. It certainly is coming down quicker in other countries. And the reason for that is other countries like New Zealand and America were far more aggressive in raising interest rates. So they're coming down quicker than we are. Um, so if we can get that under control, then I think um, uh, then things should you know, become a bit easier and that cost of living pressure should start to uh, relieve. And maybe if, if it slows down enough, then you may even start seeing interest rate cuts towards the end of the year. I'm a bit sceptical of that happening at this point, but uh, nonetheless, at least it's all starting to head in the right direction. Um, that's, as I say, it's an unknown as to where we ultimately end up. I think what that needs to happen now is the Reserve Bank is doing all that they can. We really need the federal government now to change its policies, particularly on certain things like energy and on immigration, and both those things would start to bring inflation down if they, if they would uh, take the risk and do it. And, of course, there are those who say our lower rate of unemployment uh, might be the thing that saves us in getting us through a tough time like this. But then if you're facing potential for the R-word recession into 2024, then even that becomes a little bit um, less stable. Any thoughts there for around the things that might just uh, see us through uh, and give us some level of confidence? Yeah, well, certainly unemployment in Australia has been remarkably low since COVID. I mean, you've had these massive shortages across many industries, and that's why business is continually, particularly big business, is always crying out for more workers to come in. And now part of that is a, a, a sort of a bias because they're wanting to bring in low-cost workers so that they can you know, keep wages under control. Uh, but nonetheless, unemployment in Australia has been very low and hopefully will continue to be so. I, I suspect it will tick up a little bit next year. Um, but, you know, if some of these inflation things start to die off, hopefully uh, it'll be a soft landing. That's what the thing that they're talking about in the US, the soft land versus the hard landing. Hopefully we'll get the uh, the expected soft landing. But, uh, you know, you can never... Ne- I, I never want to be too... Uh, as they, I'm, I'm trying to be cautious, cautiously optimistic is, is what I'd like to be. Be cautiously optimistic. Hey, uh, so far as Christmas goes, and everybody's in a different boat. Uh, some people have got a very expensive Christmas coming. Others are already trying to maybe even pare back a little. Are there some common mistakes you think that we can make this time of year that we maybe can, can avoid? Absolutely. Look, I mean, the biggest one I always see is just people borrowing money. It's kind of buy now, pay later kind of thing. You know, I think a lot of people feel uh, under pressure at this time of year to, to buy things for people, to, to spend a lot on uh, not just presents, but on the events and associated things like that. And of course, because it's a, a, you know, generally for, for the majority of people, it's a pleasant time of year. We often let loose a bit much on, uh, on our spending. Of course, the problem with that is that it, it ultimately has to be paid back in the new year. So I always encourage people just to take the view of using cash, using real money you actually got, rather than borrowing from a bank and, and paying interest, particularly as interest rates on, on everything these days, you know, and has been going up and going the wrong way. And of course, let's be honest, we're all, we can all be a bit of a sucker for some of the sales these days. The, the one that always gets me is, you know, you go into the, the petrol station and they offer 
two for the price of uh, $3. Uh, not good for your waistline, but, uh, you know, all, all those sort of little things there are designed to get you to spend money. And so I think the key, the key to it is not to borrow and to plan ahead. If you can plan ahead, um, you can dramatically reduce it. Alex, uh, let's take a call uh, straight away from James, who is in Kyabram in Victoria. Hey, James, welcome. Hi, Neil. Hi, Alex. Hey, James. Um, I think, I hey, think James. you might have prayed for me. The, uh, did you pray for me the other week? I, I talked to you about some inventions that I had before, just before the, um, the fundraiser. Okay, um, all right, all right, yes, yes. Uh, something rings so, a bell with that, but yeah, but, uh, yeah what's, uh, what are your thoughts? What's developed? What's happened is, because uh, I want to start making some of these things, I realised I don't have enough galvanised iron steel for it. So I've been praying and God said, well, you, you need a job. So today I start on a farm milking 450 cows at 2.30 this afternoon. So I'm doing it on an ABN, which I thought's good because I'm going to need the ABN eventually, which I, I have had before. It was only a dollar. It's $150 now, um, plus I don't know what other expenses. But I just said asking for advice from Alex about starting a new business, starting with an ABN, there's a quite a few questions, well, a few questions there, not sure exactly how to answer them spe- uh, specifically. Um, just yeah, any advice that he'd give, the little the pitfalls, the things that you could, a pocket you could fall into that could entrap you if you, if you like, if I didn't put down the right name for the business in, in regards to what work I'm doing, does that, because they, they're threatening a $1,500 fine for uh, different, things and I'm not sure how it all works he'd have obviously have a lot more knowledge than I do uh, James good thoughts and yes uh, you know you're an entrepreneurially minded man you've got opportunities you've got some inventions uh, in order to make some things happening you're starting a job and uh, Alex your thoughts here for James yeah look no, great questions but and I as, as uh, I love all things entrepreneurial myself so good to see someone out there having having a crack um, but look, what, I, what I'd say is probably the best thing you can do is talk to like a local accountant or a tax agent about the best way to structure things. Uh, now, my experience, particularly when people are starting out for the first time, is you want to keep your costs as low as possible. So having an ABN and being a sole trader keeps it nice and simple because essentially it's just the one entity yourself. You may have a, a trading name, but essentially everything is flowing through your own name, as opposed to, say, setting up a company, which then involves more complexity, you know, different structure, bank accounts, um, it needs an account to do set of financials every year and so forth, and you're adding a whole degree of complexity. So keep it, my, my experience with these things, particularly when you're starting out and you're not quite sure about how something's going to progress, is keep it as simple uh, as possible. So you keep your costs down because that's the key thing when you're starting a new business is making sure your costs are as low as possible. Um, but the best thing you can do is get advice, go chat to you know a local accountant or a tax agent who can give you the more sort of detailed advice about the pros and cons of different structures. Whether you're a sole trader, whether you start a partnership with someone, or whether you uh, you know use a company structure, and sometimes there's elaborate trust structures as well. But yeah, my advice: keep it simple and and get some just a you know quick advice. It won't cost you much, um, you know, at this stage. Uh, James, before I let you go, uh, you better remind us uh, what's your uh, your premier invention that you're working with. Well, at the at the the first one, I don't want to say because there's too many out there. But some okay. of the other ones are more involved. It's it's, it's, it's to do with independent living, um, functioning uh, a facility, and and again, I, I'm weary of. 
giving it away, but it's, they're trying to create independent living with people with disabilities. So I'm making a functioning kitchen that someone even in a wheelchair would be able to use. Um, and, and then other things that got to do with the hospital. The first one's sort of more guttering, um, and there are quite a few, but mine, mine, I want to make mine more affordable for the common people ordinary people, but I want to create work as well, for the, whether it be kitchen cabinet making, whether it be upholsterers for the new bedding. I'll share a bit more because I know that they got into it uh, in the COVID making screens. Well, this is to do with when I was, uh, I did a sleep apnea test and of course you had to go to the toilet and you've got to get out of bed, right? And and so I've made a, I'm designing a bed that people can use without having to get out because you've got so many leads. My sister had cancer, she's in bed and all the time taking leads, but even after war, uh, making a, a system set up so that if someone lost their legs, which we're not believing for, I'm not hoping that'll happen, but it'll make it so people can be accommodated more rather than trying to juggle bedpans and things. Not a great topic, but there's, there's a lot in it. And, and, of course, there's others as well. So, yeah, well, James... Uh, I'm just getting the first one off and running. You are certainly a problem-solving thinker there and uh, your entrepreneurism, Absolutely. you know, uh, God's blessing on you as you take these extra steps. Absolutely. And be before we move off this topic, uh, Alex, in your view, uh, 2024 is coming, uh, 2023 is coming to a close. And if you've uh, got that little bit of an entrepreneurial streak or if you're thinking times are tough, and I've got a little bit of extra time for a bit of a side hustle to increase that uh, extra earning capacity that I might have to get through some expensive times. What are your thoughts for 2024? Does it look like uh, that, you, that you could pursue some of those sorts of entrepreneurial pursuits or get that side hustle happening? Any thoughts here from you? Oh, look, 100%. I strongly encourage it because obviously as the economy gets tougher, that actually creates opportunities in and of itself. You know, people have a negative mindset often when they hear the word recession. But some of the world's best businesses were started during the Great Depression. So tough times often beget new opportunities and new ideas. And I love listening to James and his ideas about what he was going to do. But as you say, because people are finding it tough, having a bit of a side a hustle, earning a bit of extra income, um, I mean, for example, we're, we're launching a mo money coaching service next year where we're going to train Christians who want to become money coaches. So there's a side hustle that people can do, just that kind of thing alone, where we'll train them up so they've got that kind of skill. But that the beauty of it is, you know, you get to earn a bit of extra income and help people at the same time. But to me, the only I guess message I'd say to people before they jump out of the boat to do it is that they, they really seek God if you know, they feel he's calling them into that kind of self-employment. You know, to me, it's uh, it's exciting, it's fun, but it's also challenging. And so you want to really be sure that this is something that God is calling you into. Because if he is, then, uh, you know, you go on a wonderful journey. Uh, James, thanks so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. You might have a question, uh, you might have a comment, you might have a scenario you'd like to run by Alex, uh, 1-800-316-316. Alex, come back to Christmas planning because uh, we are headed for record expense at Christmas this year. Um, what do you think we should do to just prepare financially? We're just, uh, you know, we're only a few weeks out. Uh, is there something that you can do at this time that's going to actually ease the burden? Yeah, look, I, I t look. the answer is there's lots of things you can do. I mean, there's through things from shopping smarter, you know, in terms of, you know, planning ahead, making sure, you, you know, you try and get things, discount things on sale, you know, shop online, all of those sort of things. 
that's, you know, shop smart, I think, is a, a, probably an obvious one. But I would encourage people actually to think differently about the whole thing altogether and really rethink the whole giving of gifts. Um, uh, and look, I don't want to tell anyone what to do because I, I don't think there's one size fits all. What we're doing this year, because we're going away on a, a family holiday, what we're doing is actually, rather, I said to my kids, no presents. <laughs> I said, instead, we're just going to have vouchers. Now, the good thing about giving your kids vouchers is it sets in the mouth. <laughs> so I'm not going to overspend because one of the dangers of Christmas, of course, is overspending. But by having the voucher system, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm locking in the amount, and which they've all sort of been comfortable with because now they know they can go and buy something that they specifically want. So that's one thing. Another thing may be uh, with family members, you know, a lot of Officers do this, you know, they, they call it the secret Santa kind of thing where you buy for another employee in, in, in the business. Well, why not do that with your family members where you all buy one gift for one other family member rather than everyone buying multiple gifts for everyone? You know, so there's all things like that. I, I say to people to rethink it. If you've got kids, why not get your kids to start making presents? They can make Christmas cards. You know, it's a great time of year. You know, they've probably finished school or about to finish school. Why not get them doing things like this? It's a lot more thoughtful. It's creative. Um, just think outside the box, but don't buy into the world thing of it. You have to go and you know shop it up at your local shopping centre and uh, you know put it on a credit card to put yourself into a difficult financial financial situation. We, what we want to ultimately do is turn this into what it's really about in the end of the day, anyway. Which has got nothing to do with shopping, nothing to do with uh, <laughs> with money, and it's all about celebrating Jesus. And, and the question is, how, how do we change our mindsets as Christians, not buy into all this worldliness? As I say, nothing wrong with gift giving, but let's let's stop being uh, worldly and let's turn it into, um, you know, a true Christmas focused on Jesus Christ. That to me is what it's about. And maybe, uh, you know, what my sister and I did for each other a few years ago is we said, right, no gifts to each other. And uh, what she ended up gifting me was a it was a um, it was from a Christian charity in Australia Tear Fund where you can give like a poor person like a cow. You can gift something like that. You can gift. So rather than give a gift that's going to benefit, you know, someone in the Western world who's already doing pretty well, why not gift something or someone who's in another country is doing it much tougher and, and helping someone else instead. So just rethink it, I think, as a Christian and make it less about all this retail stuff and far more about how we can be generous to others at this time of year. That to me is far more exciting. Funny, isn't it, how we think about being a Christian and having a transformed life, transforming our way of thinking, and uh, and then Christmas rolls around and somehow or other you very easily fall back into a routine which makes it all about uh, the consumer, the materialism, uh, the expense and the challenges that come along with Christmas. If you're looking for some sort of a Christian rule of thumb, I think you've touched on something really amazing there. How do you how do you bring the transformation? As you say, Alex, you make it less about the presence and Santa. You make it more about Jesus. And when it becomes more about Jesus, then it's going to flow on to all sorts of other effects in the way that your whole Christmas looks. Uh, you can really make a transformation at Christmas if you change your thinking here. Oh, absolutely. And look, I mean, Christmas is often a lonely time for some people. You know, many Australians uh, live alone. Others, uh, you know, may have lost a loved one throughout the year. So for some people, Christmas can be quite challenging, quite a sad time. And so if, if you know people, you know, you as a Christian know people who have had a rough year, this is an opportunity, I think, to get around those people, you know, invite them to your events, invite them to your Christmas Day, 
um, and, and do that kind of thing. So we're, we're taking an outward approach and, and loving others at this time of the year. I mean, we've obviously got to do it all the time as part of our Christian calling. But this is a really great opportunity to touch people's lives uh, and to give things that really last forever. You know, this is the opportunity, I think, to so, you know, to tell people about Jesus, to show his love. So, in other words, real action, not just words, but actual action. Uh, and be generous to people and, and be mindful of the fact that for some people it's been a tough year. Interesting to reflect on that word generosity because we'll often talk about that. Uh, that's what the New Testament Christian looks like. They look generous. And so generous, though, uh, with things redirected in a, uh, in a way that has eternal value, different to the generosity you might think of just giving things that have no usefulness. Uh, thoughts here around the, the sort of different way Christians might think about generosity? Well, yeah, look, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I One of the slogans that we used to use a lot in our ministry was invest in eternity. And, you know, as, as I get older, that little bit every year, there's a few extra grey hairs every year, yeah. I just reflect on just the speed of life and, and therefore how you need to maximise the things that God puts in your hands, whether it's your time, your talent and your treasure. And how do we maximise those three things? And so at this time of the year, what can we be doing with our time, with our talents and with our treasure to be a blessing to others and to sow in things that are ultimately going to introduce people uh, to Jesus Christ, get them, you know, get them saved and, and just meet their needs uh, at this time of year. That's that, the kind of thinking we need to have, that eternal thinking, because the Bible makes it very clear this world will pass away all the trinkets and all these things that we we see around us, which are great distractions and, uh, you know, often enjoyable at the time. They dis- they're all going to disappear, and all that's going to be left is what's going to last forever. And we need to have that long-term thinking rather than the short-term thinking that we can so easily be distracted with. And no doubt it's no less fun. It's just a change of the way you think and uh, how you might implement some of those sorts of rules of thumb as a Christian and what that means. More fun. Uh, more fun. You could, that's right. Uh, you can plan more it fun. to be more well, fun. Well, I mean, well, but I think that the mistake people make is they think that um, being a Christian is going to be less fun. Doing things for others rather than doing it for myself is, is less fun. The opposite is true. What you'll find is people are often very successful, whether it's successful in their career or with a lot of money, they often feel very empty. And what I've seen as a financial advisor, often people with uh, a lot of money are very fearful about losing it, despite the fact that they've got a lot of it. So all of those things don't add value. So when you focus on things that truly matter, and you know Jesus himself said it was better to, to give than to receive. So when you have that view, your life will actually change dramatically for the better. You will be a beneficiary of it because God's way works. I mean, at the end of the day, the reality of what we're saying here is when you apply God's word to your life, it works and things will, that, that mental shift will, will change you significantly for the better, even if you have less. You know, I mean, take the, the concept of contentment, learning to be content. You'll ultimately feel a lot better when you've learned contentment, as the Bible tells us, to the irrespective of whether you have less. Good to talk so, about um, a Christian approach to Christmas. Um, thoughts from you, Alex, uh, on some smart ways 
uh, that we might shop, that we might save money. Uh, and it's, you know, it's not just the gifts. It's uh, Christmas and the families all coming to visit and uh, the huge cost of, you know, all of the food for uh, Christmas lunch, Christmas dinner. Uh, thoughts here on saving some money around this time of year? Yeah, look, a whole range of things. I mean, as I say, this year what we're trialling is vouchers rather than presents because what it means is that you cap the amount. So if you think about what can I afford, you know, what can what can we afford to give others? Well, if you're using a voucher system, the beauty of it is you can work out the amount and then you can lock it in, right? So that's one simple one. Uh, when you think about the cost of food these days and so forth, a lot of people have, you know, spend up big on having people around to the house. Maybe an alternative is you go out for a picnic lunch with the family where everyone brings their own kind of thing. So there's all that kind of thing where we share and do things together. You'll have just as much fun, but without that pressure of having to provide everything for everyone else. Um, but I think ultimately the best thing to do these days, you know, we've got this wonderful thing called the internet. You can prepare your list of all the things that you want, shop around online before you go anywhere near a shopping centre, and you'll be amazed at the kind of discounts and things uh, that you can pick up. The main thing is not to overbuy as a result of seeing the, the discounts. Um, so there's lots of things you can do um, to, to bring the cost down. But as I say, the biggest one is what we already talked about before, is just rethinking the whole approach to it and saying, is this really what we want to make Christmas about? Or is there another way we can turn Christmas into something far more useful? And of course, the the foundation that you want to set for 2024, I mean, we all want to start off the new year on a strong note, uh, have a firm foundation, or at least as firm as it can be. Any hints from you around uh, how to ensure you get a good start for 2024? Yeah, well, I mean, often this time of year is when people, you know, they go on holiday, they get to slow down for the first time. You know, sometimes, you know, in the Western world, we kind of feel often we're on a bit of a treadmill and we're, we're running hard and trying to keep up with things. But this is a great time, I think, to have off and just to reflect, you know, reflect on what are we doing with our life? Are we on, are we on the right course? Are we being sensible with, uh, with our money and so forth? And the thing I'd really encourage people is to just live simpler lives. I think in the West we've got all these distractions but if we can live simpler lives and focus on what's truly important, such as relationships, then we'll profoundly improve our own well-being, not to mention our, our finances. I'll give you a really simple example. Last um, A few years ago, my son was playing soccer, and at the end of the year, I said to this other couple who turned out to be Christian, I said, oh, are you guys playing next year? And they said, oh, no, we're not. We're taking all of our kids out of sport for the whole year, and they were going to have a year where their kids weren't going to do any sport. And that may sound, oh, it's a bit mean, you know, taking your kids out of sport. But what they were going to do is just have that family time. They were going to – I've got four kids, so there's a rush every week of sport and on the weekends and so forth. So all of a sudden, they were going to get all this time back by making their life simpler. I actually thought it was very, very sensible. But it's the same thing, whether it's – you can apply this to lots of things. Make your life simpler. Don't complicate it and focus – just be really careful to focus and ask yourself the question – what are the things, and ask God the question, what should I really be focusing on here? What's, in, what's truly important? So that, that's the big picture conceptual stuff. And then just the final sort of tip with that is just create a, a, mini, a mini wealth plan, a mini family wealth plan. So, you know, set a few basic goals for the year, nothing, you know, too dramatic. You know, what are your goals, whether it's going to be saving goals or kids' education, things like that. Have a few clear things that you want to set out for the year. 
don't be afraid to go and get advice. You know, we are talking with James earlier. You know, he needs a bit of accounting advice. Don't be afraid to get advice from someone. You, you'll find it pays big dividends in the, in the long run. Uh, and then have a plan about different parts of your finances, whether it's getting out of debt, whether it's starting to invest, whether it's planning for retirement, whether it's getting, uh, you know, more out of your income through budgeting. Just have a little bit of a plan for all, all of these things to spend, you know, a couple of hours on it just to get yourself in order. And uh, you'll be setting yourself up well for the year ahead. And it comes down to this, doesn't it? The whole of our family culture, and uh, indeed, if you're leading an enterprise, whether it's a business or an organisation or a department, it all comes down to how you think about where you're moving there and the culture that begins to build around having a right thinking. And, of course, that's what you immerse yourself in, Alex Cook, is how to think like a Christian when it comes to all of those sorts of uh, purposes for your life. For listeners who want to connect with Alex Cook, because we have run out of time, uh, Alex, the founder of Wealth With Purpose, uh, I'll often say his ministry is to help equip Christians to honour God with their finances by teaching sound financial skills. Uh, the website is wealthwithpurpose.com. Uh, free ebooks, the My Toolkit, free videos, there's podcast content there. And you did mention, Alex, that you're wanting to raise up some coaches uh, who can actually, even I guess that's uh, starting a side hustle or starting their own business uh, yeah. about how you actually uh, coach people like this. Yes, quickly a thought on that. Yeah, two things. We want to basically train people to be money coaches so they can either start it as a ministry in their church or so they can start it as a side hustle, as you say, as a, as a business. And so what we're going to do is basically we've filmed it and now we're going to launch it in the new year and teaching people basically good stewardship principles, good money management skills that they can then impart to others. And as I say, they can do it in their local church or they can do it as a business and uh, earn some extra money themselves. All right. Well, you can find out about soon. that uh, at wealthwithpurpose.com and you can follow Alex on Facebook and on Twitter. There's even an Ask Alex at wealthwithpurpose.com email too if you wanted to connect with Alex that way. Alex, always so refreshing and insightful when we get your wisdom on a whole lot of different uh, topics on finance, but really appreciate that very much. And we probably won't get to talk to you again now before Christmas. So uh, the happiest and holiest of Christmas uh, for you and your family and uh, for 2024 and uh, really appreciate your insights throughout the year. Thanks, Neil. And likewise to you and your family and the team at Vision. God bless. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.